0: Welcome to the HR like a boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope to find out what it takes to do HR like a boss. On today's show, I'm so excited to have Kevin Campbell. I was introduced to Kevin through a mutual connection, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. Kevin, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, I know a lot of people know who you are. You're doing a lot of great work in the, the HR space and, and surrounding areas. But for those that haven't met you before or listened to you on a other podcasts, please tell our listeners all about Kevin Campbell.
1: Hi, nice to meet you everybody. Uh, I am an employee experience scientist with Qualtrics, so I help organizations identify and close gaps in the employee experience and use your workplace as an opportunity to drive business and customer outcomes.
0: Clear and direct. I love it. Yeah, one of the cool things, Kevin, that you just shared And the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is one of the main reasons I'm writing my book, HR Like a Boss, and started this podcast is that the data points are really scary how disengaged employees are as a whole in their work. I know a lot of different uh, points can suggest up to two-thirds of employees are not engaged at work. So I'm super excited to get your thoughts on on how we can help make sure using data, like you're giving your clients at Qualtrics. Um, the insight to be able to make informed decisions to reinvigorate that workforce and get them engaged at work so that we can do some really, really meaningful things as an organization and, and within our communities. Absolutely. All right. Well, I start every guest off with the same question, and it's all about purpose. The, the reason why I'm doing this and, and working with wonderful people like you is to try to make a positive impact. And I know that's what HR's mission should be as well, but I'm curious what's your perspective of the purpose of human resources?
1: I believe the purpose of human resources is to get the most out of your human resources, Uh, the, the people that work at your organization. And I think the biggest part of that, for me at least, is that it's recognizing that most human beings are driven based upon bias and emotions and heuristics and not off of rational logic and thought out answers. And that that is what makes us human and that it's a feature, not a bug that we're built that way. And the more that you can tie what you do into that feature, the better it's gonna be for your business and for your organization.
0: I've never heard it explained that way. Fantastic. That, that gave me a ton to think of. Makes, makes me wonder, you know, all these books you read about emotional intelligence, how we're predisposed to not do those things. And you have to train your brain, in essence, to respond in a way that makes a, makes a, I'll call it a yes and conversation, that improv. Let's keep the conversation always going, not so much this brash concept that nobody knows how to respond to what you just said.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right.
0: So I'm curious, Kevin, from your standpoint, looking at the field of human resources from what you do every single day, there's this idea out there that HR should be split into two, this, what I'll call strategist, organizational development, talent resource, and then this administrative side of human resources. What, what say you about that topic and how do you think it could
1: work or not within an organization? I think that ultimately it would still have to be human resources, uh, I know that, that Ram Charan uh, had mentioned splitting it out into one organization that reports into the CEO and another that's more administrative. I think that diminishes HR as a function, and I think that for many organizations, HR has a C-level position now, the CHRO. But within that department or within that function, there are so many different skills. There's people analytics, there's HR business partnerships, there's talent management. So I think there should be a way to set people up for success who are in an HR role and have divisions within HR that allow for that kind of specialization. But they should all remain part of the HR function and roll up to the CHRO. And there's always gonna be a place for a generalist and people who do a number of different things. But I also think that there's a growing need for people that can play more of a specialized role according to the things that directly impact the business and maybe are a little bit more data heavy uh, while also having that, that generalist position.
0: Yeah, no need. I think I think we can always find a way to structure an HR organization that's best for the business and I think a lot of times executives non-HR executives scratch their head as to the best place for that actual department to sit. I agree with you 100% that the HR should be an executive leadership role. It should report into the CEO. Your people are your your most important asset and sometimes when it's not put into that org structure design that means a lot to a lot of people, especially those in human resources and indirectly or directly the people that, that work within that, the other parts of that org chart that maybe feel the fact that HR isn't quite important enough to have that, that proverbial seat at the table. And I wonder if one of the things we wanted to talk about was this idea of constructive feedback. I wonder if a, an HR executive who maybe doesn't have that proverbial seat at the table doesn't report into uh, the CEO, how he or she could go to that executive and talk about some constructive feedback, giving them that, giving and receiving that constructive feedback to me is, a, is an art and one thing that you learn uh, throughout your career. So I'm curious as to if you have suggestions for people that are managing employees or if they're working directly for someone, what, what are your suggestions on how they can give and receive constructive feedback?
1: It's a great question, and I think it's one that is not only helpful in a business context or an HR context, but uh, in in a human context, and also in terms of how we make sense of things as individuals. And it's interesting because sometimes the conversation gets framed around positive versus negative feedback, or they'll talk about constructive feedback as a euphemism for negative feedback but I think positive feedback can also be constructive, but part of the challenge is that we even think about it in terms of positive or negative, because when something's positive or negative, you're making an evaluation of the thing that you're observing and you're making an overall conclusion of what you're observing, but that doesn't give people the constructive information that they need in order to make improvements. What's better is to describe what you see, describe how it makes you feel, observe and put words to what you're seeing. So an example is, I didn't like that presentation or that presentation wasn't good. That's an overall evaluation and that's a very low level of description. But saying on slide, three, I got confused with the way that you presented the information, or I noticed that there is a lot of text on slide 10. I would have preferred to see just a few bullet points and then have you speak to that text. The difference is is that one in the first few examples is just that overall summary of what happened But the part that makes something constructive is that detailed description that people can then sink their teeth into. Uh, And I think a lot of times, the reason people have a hard time with constructive feedback is because who are you to say what's good or bad? But we all have the right to say, this is how it made me feel. This is where I got confused. This is where you lost me because you're the own, you're you're the best judge of your own experience. And I think especially when you're talking about cross-functional conversations where someone might not have a depth of expertise in HR, uh, and you might not have a depth of expertise in the way that that person runs their part of the business, you can always speak with expertise around how something landed or resonated or didn't resonate with you.
0: Yeah, dare I say the devil is in the details? And as it relates to constructive feedback, and I, I really appreciated the positive and negative, and the thing that I've learned in life, having been someone that's maybe put one or two too many bullets on a slide where I, I don't put any anymore, if I can, just visuals, is that you can't take any of that personally. And that's that's really easy to say and really difficult to do. And I really appreciate the way you answered that question I thought I I don't have any constructive feedback for you specifically Kevin on that particular answer. But what I do want to share now is a quick plug for our sponsor and one that's near and dear to my heart. Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources to put on the HR like a boss podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search and staffing services along with their unique HR technology consulting practice. If you're struggling to find talent in your HR and payroll department, or you're not getting a return on your investment within your human capital management system, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, got that shameless plug out of the way, Kevin. On to the more interesting things for our listeners. One of the things that stands out to me about the function of human resources is a lot of people do not like those that work and represent human resources, the HR function. And and oftentimes there's this idea that they are, I, I heard one guest tell me, it feels like you go to the principal's office whenever you have to go talk to human resources. Oh man, that would be a, you know, again, principals are great people, but we all know what it feels like. You're going to the principal's office to get in trouble normally, at least that's the connotation. I'm curious from your perspective, if this the stigma does exist within organizations that we non-HR folks do not like human resources, what would you suggest would be a way that HR could start to break down that
1: stigma? I think we have to take a page out of the book from our customer experience colleagues and think about HR through the lens of who are your customers and how do we create an amazing experience for our customers. When you think about sales or marketing or your customer success organization, it's very clear who the customers are. HR, IT, legal, these are functions where the customer is the organization itself, the leaders of the organization, and the organization's employees. Real quick anecdote on what it would look like to enforce a rule while also creating a customer experience could be drawn from Disney. So um, at, the, at the risk of having kind of a long answer, uh, I'll share a quick anecdote of a VP I know took his two daughters and his wife to Disney World for the first time. And his daughter was really anticipating going on a particular ride, but she wasn't tall enough to make it on the ride. So that employee at Disneyland, Disney World is faced with having to enforce a piece of compliance. You can't you can't compromise on that. So what does this person do? This person allows the the VP and his older daughter to go on the ride, takes the wife and the younger daughter and has the younger daughter pick out any stuffed animal from among all the stuffed animals that were available and gives her a pass that says, when you are tall enough to ride this ride and you come back that you'll go directly to the front of the line and you won't have to wait in line. So you created a problem or you took a problem and created a great customer experience as a result of that problem. And that's something that can only be done when people are thinking through that customer lens and the folks that run that department are having conversations and action planning with frontline employees to say, when we have these difficult situations, how can we still create a great experience? And I think HR can do that too. Talk with frontline HR people about those common problems that you have where people are being sent to the principal's office how can you make the most out of a bad situation and action plan and, and contrive ways of being able to, to make something great out of something that would normally be really rough?
0: I'll tell you what, that was a really cool story. I'm glad you shared it because it, it, that individual really provided their service with great empathy. They, they put their, themselves in that little kid's shoes. Maybe at some point they had that same experience or they've been trained really well to accommodate those situations. And, and they they put a silver lining around that gray cloud of, I can't go this time, but next time when I do, I'm gonna be the first one in line. She's probably showing that off to her to her sister as my guest saying, yeah, when it's, <laughs> it's my turn, I'm going first and I'm going with mom. And you can stay with dad and hang out. I <laughs> bet, that, yeah. That'd be awesome. That's really cool. The empathy is is such a, I think overused in the last two years for sure. I think for the first time as a society, we were all were going through a very painful and unique circumstance, and we had a lot of the same emotions, and it was easy to be empathetic, but it's not as easy to be empathetic when you haven't experienced someone, something that someone else is experiencing. and it's, it's, You have to put yourself in their shoes as best you can and navigate through that, that winding path that may be a, a, a constraint to the policy that you're trying to put together. Yeah. Cool. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Let's talk about, to me, that, that, that employee that you mentioned at Disney was the right person in the right position at the right time. He or she did their job incredibly well and was well-trained. And I'm curious, from a, a simplistic standpoint, what does that mean to you to have right people, right position, right time?
1: I think it begins with asking the question, what do you need people to actually do? at any particular point in time and within any particular position, because all of those questions are going to be situational. What determines the right people is going to be based upon what needs to be done in a particular position at a particular time. And a lot of times during the hiring process, people start to think about who do we want this person to be without first thinking about what do we need this person to do? And if you don't articulate that first piece, you can have some really wonky answers on the other side of it, right? I've been in board meetings where on one side of the table, folks are saying, we need a tactical, practical person. On the other side of the table, they're saying, oh, we need a a high-minded strategic person. Well, let's stop talking about the person and start talking about the action first, and then that will dictate what strategic pieces do we need? What practical, tactical pieces do we need? And help us arrive at that right person answer.
0: Yeah, you remind me of past guests, Lou Adler, who was on the show, wrote a book, uh, Hire With Your Head, and all about answering the question, what jobs need to be done? And you mentioned something in the beginning about people make decisions based upon bias. You, you can take that out of the equation that can say, can, can you or have you done this job that is required to do this role. It doesn't matter what age, color of your skin, religious belief, experience level, fill in the blank of any sort of uh, classic demographic that you could put in, can you do the job? Simple Mm -hmm. as
1: that. And
0: are are you good at doing it or not? You know, time will tell and sometimes you have to, you know, trust your gut or use analytics and data and assessments and all that stuff to make that determination. But I'm with you. I, I think it's so important. People get lost in the years of experience or this type of degree or everything else. And they end up hiring those people. And why did they not work out? Well, you worried too much about the degree and the years of experience as opposed to talking about, well, this is the job that I have that needs to be done or this is the problem we need to solve. Tell me about how, how well you could do that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Lose a, a thought leader in the, the hiring space. Absolutely. And I, I, I have borrowed heavily from his work when I've worked with assessments because in, in picking out assessments and picking out different constructs to measure, oftentimes people jump right into, oh, I need an assessment that's gonna help me hire a more empathic person, or I, I need an assessment that's gonna help me hire a more confident person. And confidence and empathy are, are, are great things to have under themselves, but is that really the character trait or the predisposition that you need for this particular role? yes or no, and, and Lou's way of thinking about it is a, a great way of breaking that down.
0: Yeah, it's funny, he always is telling me how he, he, you don't want me on your podcast if you want HR or recruiters to like you. It's like, no, Lou, that's, that's not the case at all. I wanna tell it like it is and bring your opinion and perspective and everyone can learn from it, take their little granule of insight from what you share and hopefully make a small tweak or sometime major change. Speaking of major change, The book that I'm writing is called HR Like a Boss. The podcast you're on right now, Kevin, is called HR Like a Boss. And I get all of my guests out of here with the final question of what do you think it takes for someone to do HR Like a Boss?
1: I think it's as easy as ABC. Uh, And by ABC, I I mean the acronym action-oriented, business-relevant, and conversation-based. So a lot of times HR can be very verbose, can be very conceptual, can be very compliance oriented. And I don't think it's enough to be able to point out what's wrong or what's not in compliance, but to really leave people with an action that they can take in order to be able to drive things forward. So how do you, how do you leave every conversation? How do you leave every interaction? with an action. Can you hear the dog in the background? I'm sorry, I don't- The
0: dog has some, is is barking after some, which is great. Keep going. I got three dogs here at the house. I'm surprised they're not barking right now. (laughs) Hearing your dog bark,
1: it's all good. Now now that
0: we're talking about your dog, the dog stopped
1: barking, which is all good. <laughs> somebody That's probably heard get... me talking and shushed him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so action, action orientation, I think, is a, is a big piece, and this this goes into everything from the way you word questions on your engagement survey. Are you are you wording those questions in an, an action oriented way? It's everything as simple as, yeah, no, Bill, you can't put somebody on a performance improvement plan that way. You have to do it this way. Okay, what's the actual action that you want someone to leave with? business relevant. So much of what HR does ties back to business outcomes. And I feel like there's a plethora of linkages that are just waiting to be tapped that that um, uh, folks often don't use. Right. The, The time that it takes somebody to onboard and ramp. That's an impact on the business. If you can take if you can take the average time that it takes a salesperson to hit their quota. Um, uh, and, and drop it down to three months when it was six months or a year, that's an impact in the business. When you can say that when employees have a better employee experience, it raises our net promoter score in our bank branches or in our restaurant chains, that's an impact on the business. When you're able to say that we can reduce attrition by creating a, a better onboarding experience or a, a better employee experience and uh, you know uh, better shared services, that's an impact on the business not only in terms of lowered recruitment costs and replacement costs, but you're making sure that your best talent doesn't go to a a competitor. And the more that you can quantify and put a number to those things, the more it feels like HR and HR programs are are less of this other thing that happens on top of the real work, but it becomes part of getting the real work done. So that's the B is business relevant. And then the last piece is is conversation, Uh, making sure that your Tying everything into a collaborative conversation with your stakeholders and employees and the other parts of the business that you work with so that you're not creating solutions in a vacuum, but that it's conversation based and that you're having an ongoing conversation around what needs to be done and incorporating other viewpoints into the the programs and, and ways that you work. And that's what a boss is boss is someone who drives action for the business through conversation.
0: Awesome fantastic i might steal that in a future presentation abc it's so simple i love business oriented that's the number one thing about the book an hr like a someone does hr like a boss is a business person first that just so happens to practice in the field of hr certainly they're consultative they they make great conversation they get to the root cause of what's going on before giving an answer and then when they take action it's calculated and they're doing something they're doing something just not sitting there waiting Kevin, awesome job. I had fun. Thank you to whoever, well, you know what, not thank you to whoever got the dog to bark, because that was a really cool part of the show that you and I both will probably remember for the rest of our lives, which is fantastic. This is what doing a podcast at home is like. Kevin, you also shared a couple things I wanted to mention that I thought really stood out to me, two in particular, the idea around when you're getting or giving, receiving or giving constructive feedback, describe what it is you see Put the words around what it is you're seeing or feeling and be as specific as you possibly can. And I think also to comparing the human resource department to your customer experience group and that your customer is your employees and and many other things as well. But how how are we doing driving uh, positive experiences for them? How are we making sure that they're being engaged and enjoying what they're doing and they're making an impact in their personal lives, on the business, and doing some good in the community? You were awesome, Kevin. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating or review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.